Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where we simulate a digital summer camp and teach AI algorithms how to make the perfect virtual s'more. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I hope B2B SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is outstanding. We supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft the business you're proud of and a life of impact and freedom that you love. Do you ever sit around and think about what the future of tech will look like? And not necessarily just virtual s'mores, but you know, we're doing things today that just a few years ago were completely unthinkable. You know, so strap on your VR goggles, power up your hoverboards, and let's take a deeper dive into artificial intelligence. I mean, AI, we hear about it all the time. It's rapidly reshaping the business landscape. So AI, these two simple letters stand for a revolution that I think is as exciting as it is confusing. So it's as if we're on the precipice of the Grand Canyon, like looking out over the vast expanse of the unknowns, but armed with a promise of untold potential. You know, it's like there's gold in California. So let's go there. You know, 1849, big gold rush. The more I learn, the more I think of AI as the rocket fuel that's powering our journey into the uncharted realms of business. And it's not just about robots and science fiction, although I am becoming more convinced that robots taking over is far more likely than zombies. But seriously, it's about harnessing the power of data, automating mundane tasks, uncovering new insights, and catapulting customer service into another dimension. And the use cases are growing exponentially, and some of them, like today's guest, are just amazing. Like any tech, AI is only as effective as the hands or minds that wield it. Weaving AI into the fabric of our businesses in ways that enhance rather than replace the human touch. Using AI to make better decisions, foster innovation, and create value in ways that we never imagined. I mean, tasks that used to take highly skilled, trained professionals are now accessible to mere mortals. You know, need an API? How about a legal document, business process? Translation, transcription, summaries, all of them can be had for the asking. Simple query. What used to take humans hours can now be done in a minute or three. Entire industries are being revolutionized and reshaped. Roles are being redefined. doesn't mean that they're going away or computers are going to replace people, but we have the ability to rewrite the rules of the game. And for you and me, that means opportunity. The future of business is here. It's intelligent. It's exciting. It's waiting for founders, creators, and innovators to seize the opportunities that are in front of us. One of my favorite quotes from the great Peter Drucker says, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And I love spending time with founders who are doing just that and taking those opportunities and creating the future. Today's episode is sponsored by Champion Leadership Group, the ultimate resource for SaaS founders and C-suite executives to accelerate capital-efficient growth, unlock your business's potential by leveraging our time-tested SaaS growth toolkit blueprints and frameworks designed to help you scale AR from seven to eight to nine figures. Collaborate with an elite network of SaaS visionaries who are creating the future, celebrate wins, and overcome setbacks together. 
prioritize strategic decisions and create profitable growth, premium valuation, and freedom. Elevate your SaaS trajectory with Champion Leadership Group. You can learn more at championleadership.com. Our expert guest last Thursday was Phil Alves, CEO and Principal Consultant at DevSquad. Phil has led the build of over 100 SaaS products and led multiple clients to multi-million dollar exits along the way. Amazing insights from Phil. I mean, knowledge from 100 plus SaaS products. Pretty cool. I mean, it's just a wealth of knowledge. Great, great episode. And our founder last week was Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. He is CEO of both E7 Health and U.S. Drug Test Centers. He talked about how SaaS and tech are solving patient care and employer convenience challenges and all of that going on in healthcare and, and what technology and healthcare looks like combined. So if you missed either one of those episodes, go back and give them a listen. Definitely worth your time. My guest today is Nina Suri, a serial entrepreneur with two decades leading organizations and improving the hiring process, building high-performing teams, and creating greatness in nine different countries. Nina is founder and CEO of Zappa AI, a cutting-edge B2B SaaS platform that leverages AI to assist organizations in streamlining their human capital and deployment processes while enhancing efficiency and eliminating bias in candidate screening and selection. Absolutely brilliant concept. It's a great use of AI. In addition to leading Zappa AI, Nina is also the founder and chair of Empower, an AI-powered platform that empowers companies to hire, retain, and engage neurodiverse talent. Again, brilliant concept. Welcome someone who has a tremendous vision for the future and is creating it herself, Nina Suri. Hey, Nina, welcome to SAS Fuel. Hey, Jeff. Uh, it's wonderful to, to be here, and thank you for having me. Well, we got to actually spend some time together in person at SAS Open. It was so much fun. Uh, I don't get to meet as many guests as I'd like to in person, a lot of times it's it's like this, and it was just a, you know, such a delight, great event. It was, oh my god! And did did we not grab breakfast together? I think that's where yeah, we met yeah, on the yeah. breakfast table, correct? Yes, sure over did. a bagel. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great yes. way to move. Yeah, too. yeah. Well, tell me. <laughs> it was wonderful to meet you. Yes, yes. Tell me a little bit about your background and and how you came up with the idea for Zappa. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually an electronics engineer, Jeff, and, um, you know, so a bit of a geek at heart, uh, love technology and everything technology. But, you know, I worked for a few companies before I decided enough was enough. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So Zopa is actually my second company. My previous company was a traditional HR consulting and executive search, although I'm not an HR person. Uh, but you know, the whole idea about people really fascinated me. So it was in 2017, I wanted to kind of pivot to a more technology background, a technology firm. So kind of disrupted our own uh, business uh, from brick and mortar to, to a online AI driven platform. So, uh, yeah, so that's where it is uh, with that, with that whole ethos of really improving uh, the hireability of people, making it more equitable and just making it more efficient and smarter for organizations so that ultimately everybody's happy uh, and they are in the right job at the right place. I love that. I, I think the concept is brilliant in, in just, you know, more equity, more diversity, um, less bias in the hiring process. Yes. Is that something that you started out kind of with that concept or is that something that developed in the solution over time? 
Uh, no, that was actually the central theme uh, of the uh, tech, uh, you know of the startup. You know, having been in the traditional executive search business and up 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 and close uh, with clients uh, solving their hiring issues. Uh, one thing that really spoke to me was the very, very subjective nature of hiring. You know, uh, it's one of the most subjective, most human driven functions and uh, which is good and bad, right? Like, so it's good because of relationships and stuff like that, but it is also can have its limitations in terms of, you know, screening people out for the wrong reasons or, you know, kind of overlooking people because of the lack of either time or resources needed. So, so that kind of really spoke. I felt that that was, that was really the central theme to remove bias from hiring and really screen people in rather than screen people out, which is typically what happens in, in, in a traditional hiring setup. So with AI, data science, uh, we just felt that there was a fantastic opportunity for us to solve that problem and really scale it. It's one thing is to solve it. And then how do you kind of really scale it across? markets and across uh, geographies. So bias has always been a very central theme uh, to, to, to the platform. And, you know, in the hiring process, I think it's, it's really difficult because we have conscious bias uh, that we know about and we have unconscious bias and, and we, can, we can really work on the conscious piece if, if we want to. Some people do, some you know, don't necessarily think it's that important, but then there's always the unconscious bias. Yes. So how is it that you really solve both of those issues with your solution? Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself, like, you know, um, it, you know, every human, all of us have have a data pattern in the brain based on our experiences, uh, the way we've grown up, our, our environment and so on. So as much as we might consider ourselves to be extremely inclusive and unbiased, it is not true. So there are 12 cognitive right. biases in hiring, right? Like, and there are, this is scientifically kind of proven that there are, 12 specific uh, cognitive biases in hiring. Uh, just to give you an example, for example, horn bias. Horn bias is when you underestimate a candidate's capability, uh, could be based either from the city they come uh, from or maybe the, the background or whatever. And then there is the opposite of horn, which is halo effect, which means that you glorify the candidate. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you had a good laugh with them or, you you know, you had a good energy with them and in that one hour or that half an hour of discussion. And then you kind of over glorify them. So things like that. So there are 12 such biases. Uh, so the way we, uh, we mitigate that is, um, you know, and these biases usually happen if you get the first stage right, which is if you get the top of the funnel right, uh, you you know the, the the hypothesis is that you will get the rest of the process right as well. But what happens is it's in the initial stage at the resume stage where a lot of candidates get screened out. It could be it could be gender, it could be ethnicity, it could be where you come from, what you know something that kind of uh, um, appeared in the resume, which kind of the recruiter assumed that this is not the right candidate. So the first stage in our platform is uh, is to take away that human human selection, right? In the very first stage, so it is it is really extremely skill based. So it is uh, it will look at the capabilities of the candidate. It will not look at any of the other personal parameters, uh, age, 
gender, da, 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 any any of the personal, and only look at the capability and the skills-based um, approach uh, to screen them in. And that's your top of the funnel. And then you start working from there onwards. So you know you've got the first step right. You've not missed out or you've not screened the good people out uh, or, or capable people who could be complete rock stars for you in the organization. I think that that's fascinating. And so it's more than just removing, you know, the name from a resume. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there, there's more to it than that. Uh, so even you're looking at something like, you know, somebody has 20 years of experience, you, you may infer, well, that person's old. Yes. Uh, is that something that, that you deal with as well? Absolutely. So the first stage of selection and the shortlisting um, is is completely uh, without any personal parameters. It's purely skill based. And, you know, Jeff, it's very interesting. And the more we work in this area, the more fascinating it is. Uh, skills. Again, if you look at a typical recruitment process, and I'm sure you and I both have been guilty to this, uh, if you're looking for a particular skill, let's say that we're looking for somebody in Python or in data science, we tend to kind of look for those keywords, right, in the resume. Um, right, yeah? right. That's the typical way of doing it. What we don't see is that sometimes you may have complementary skills or you may have adjacencies, which, uh, which could help you improve your talent pool and kind of your reach. So this is where natural language processing and AI are so clever that uh, it, it kind of stretches beyond, beyond just that keyword. And I'll give you a very, um, this is, this is an example I always love giving, which is, let's say that you want somebody with 20 years of data science, uh, uh, you know, 20 years experience as a data science uh, scientist. My point is 20 years back, there was no data scientist, right? Like, so, right. <laughs> yeah. if you start going by keywords, you're going to screen everybody out. Um, whereas what AI would do very intelligently is look at uh, backgrounds in statistics, in modeling, in algorithms and so on and say, you know what, this person has the capability to do the job that you're looking at. And it also gives you a percentage and says that they can they they have seventy percent of the skills you need, and here is a list of skills that they they probably need to upskill, but because they're adjacencies, the learning curve is not going to be so sharp, and in a way, it helps you to kind of upskill that candidate uh, and retain them. So it almost becomes like a retention tool as well, in you know, in 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 some sort of a way. So. So, yeah, so NLP and AI can be very, very clever in that aspect. That's really interesting. Does that work with internal candidates as well? I love so the question. Looking- Absolutely, 100%. I love it, Jeff. You know, especially in today's climate uh, where people could be shedding hundreds and thousands of people, there are companies who are using for internal mobility. So um, for two things, before they kind of do a massive layoff, they would run the tool to see who are the ones that can actually be redeployed uh, for different jobs within the organization. There are companies that we work with who solely do their job rotation based on, on uh, you know, they use our platform for job rotation and succession planning. So, you know, so, so they, they have a roadmap for a candidate that you are at an X stage and you need to move to the Y as your next career, uh, you know, growth within the company. These are the skills that you need to develop. And uh, so so it can also be used for that. So, yes, it can be used for internal mobility, internal project, creating project teams. It can be used for um, avoiding losing people during layoffs. And just on that point, I'm glad you, you raise it. We have we've just trademarked a feature which is called Zopa's team persona. So so. For example, if you are trying to put a project team together, let's say that you have a project and you want to put an internal team together, 
One thing is, of course, you want to put the skills together, which are required to do that project. But you also want to make sure that the personas of the people that are working on that project are complementary to each other so that the outcome is a good teamwork and a healthy project deliverable, right? Like so, so this doesn't just look at the pure skills. It looks at skills plus the cognitive intelligence of the people within the team. Wow. That's brilliant because you're you're not only getting the skills, but getting people that are going to work together uh, well. So how do you capture that data so you really kind of have the cognitive personality of the team? Yeah, I mean, uh, the data journey obviously started years and years back for us, right? Like, so, uh, you know, I mean, my previous company, that's what formed the first basis of the initial algorithm. So we had almost 14 million data. Um, And it's not just about having jobs and candidates, right? You need the time series, you need the outcomes, you need the impact and so on to actually create the algorithm. So we created the first set of algorithms based on that. And then we said, okay, now we need to scale it. We need to scale it across markets, across industries, across positions, and so on. So we've tested now over a period of time on over 200 million data on public data, LinkedIn and GitHub and Stack Overflow and so on. You name it, job portals and so on. And I think we're quite confident that it, it can be applied to any industry, any geography, any position, as far as we know. So, so far, you know, we work with a variety of clients um, and it's kind of worked um, across all. all. And it's, a, it's an iterative process, you know, how data science is. You have to keep refining the model. You have to use the machine learning to make sure that you're constantly keeping it um, you know, you're, you're constantly monitoring it for removing any data bias or data redundancies and so on. So, so tell me more about uh, neurodiversity. Yeah, I mean, that's my that's my pet topic. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, you know, um, of course, you know, diversity, inclusion are such a big and such a topical thing nowadays. Um, but I think one area which always gets ignored, uh, and I hope it's beginning to get some attention, is the neurodiversity or what we call uh, the invisible uh, disabilities, right? Like, so um, you you don't see the uh, uh, these disabilities, but it can kind of uh, make it difficult for a person to adapt to what the conditions are. So if you look at the mark, the companies nowadays, or, or just traditionally, historically, companies have been designed to kind of uh, hire and retain people who are not neurodiverse, right? Right from your selection process, your interview process, your, the way, op- you know, like your open offices and your da 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 whatever, like everything is kind of designed, keeping in mind that, the your employee is not neurodiverse so neurodiversity obviously now now with the awareness uh, companies are realizing uh, when when we talk about neurodiversity just for clarification we're talking about people on the autism spectrum adhd dyslexia um and even even some of the mental uh, health uh, conditions like bipolar disorder or you know and so on and these you know, individuals with these conditions have a genius in, in something or the other. And the whole idea is how do you tap into that genius, make the, make the best out of that. And, you know, instead of kind of isolating them or create, not creating accommodations that they can thrive uh, within your organization. So, so, so we, we launched a kind of a small, very small startup. It was part of Zopa, but then we, we kind of spun it off so that it can have 
its own attention and doesn't get dwarfed with Zopa, uh, which specifically focuses on helping companies make accommodations and hire uh, neurodiverse talent uh, for their organizations. And uh, we've got some amazing names on board. We've got Microsoft, we've got LinkedIn. There are a lot of psychiatrists who have been uh, fundamentally helping us in designing the whole framework and so on. Yeah, it's it's going to be the be- next big move, I think. I think the governments are taking it seriously now and companies are beginning to realize that that's a talent they can't ignore. And what do you think is, is held that up uh, up to this point, is it that you know they're afraid of uh, you know hiring managers may be afraid of you know what it may do to culture? You know, are they going to fit in culturally, yeah. or you know they, they just don't know how to deal with that? Uh, not equipped, or uh, you know not not really understanding what accommodations may need to be made. Yeah, it's definitely fear of the unknown. Uh, you know, um, you don't know what you're going to be up against. It's kind of sure. let's just avoid. Avoid, you know, avoidance has been the most uh, easy way out. Um, also, not a lack of awareness, right, Jeff? Like, you know, uh, lack of awareness around uh, what the condition means. You know, what are the benefits of hiring? So we always look at the disadvantages and the accommodations you need to make, but you don't realize the benefits that it can bring to your organization. And 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 I think so much has been now said and so much awareness around how important diverse thinking is for a company, especially as, you know, I mean, like as the generations are changing, you know, the Gen Z and the, and the Gen Next are so, so very different from the generations before, you know, I mean, my generation or the generation before me, um, definitely not yours. You, I'm sure you're, you're much younger than me. But <laughs> So your generation, which is the Gen Z, uh, are very different uh, from, uh, so we we need to prepare for this new world and they are very inclusive, they are very conscious of diversity, they don't want to work for companies who do not acknowledge or, or embrace uh, diversity because that is the real world right like you know you cannot isolate certain people and, and you need to get the power of different thinking into your company. Uh, diversity. A lot of times, when people think about you know, diversity, you know, first thing that comes to mind is you know, the way people look or ethnic backgrounds, those kinds of things. I think one of the most important ones in building a company is just background diversity in, in different industries. And so, I think yes. that's one of the things really interesting about um, Zappa is being able to 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 do that. And you're finding people not you know, just looking for people who have been you know doing the same thing in the same industry for years. But you're really kind of bringing in the, the different ways that they see the world because of that industry background. So true, Jeff. So true. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of simplifying that for the for the client, for the companies uh, with technology so that they are able so that the friction to actually accept that gets reduced. And uh, and, you know, you have data to back your thesis. Right. Like so. um you know, of course, we can all go the safe way and hire the same kind of people that we've always been ha- hiring and expect a different outcome, which is not going to happen. Right. Like, so, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So so it's 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 inevitable. Yes. So how do you think hiring has changed over the last you know, 10 or 20 years? I would say hiring has changed over the last five years, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 crazy. It's made the last two years. Yeah, you know, I mean, like uh, in my previous company, it was pretty pretty standard, right? Like, you know, um, 
the client would say, I want to hire, uh, this is the position I want to hire. These are the companies I want you to kind of get me candidates from. And, you know, very, very, like you yourself said, like very set, um, stereotypical job profile, right? From there came the advent of uh, AI and data science. And I know that um, there aren't too many players, although the HR space is very crowded. So we do play in a very crowded space. However, if you look under the hood, there are very few, far and few people who are actually doing the true AI. Like, you know, um, but that is where the impact is really showing things like, you know, um, looking beyond your normal uh, normal criteria of hiring. Firstly, that is one big change. So that really helps screen people in looking beyond the industries, like you just said. Like otherwise, you know, you would always say, "I need, I need a salesperson who has worked in oil and gas and who has worked for da 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 da." Exact, you know, they would they would be so stringent. But now, because of AI, you have data to back that if you could probably look beyond just that scope that you've been looking at, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of experiment with a little more outside of the industries that, that you are already operating in. So really kind of expanding that talent pool and really kind of pushing that, uh, and not in some unstructured way, but with, with data to back that hypothesis, right? To, to back that, um, so that it reduces your risk of hiring. So to your question, how has it changed? I think one thing for sure that a lot of waste Process waste, uh, as we call it, has been uh, replaced with automation. So, you know, even small things like, so, so, so for example, in Zopa, um, everything is automated right from creating a job description uh, to, um, to, to uh, screening resumes, to scheduling interviews. So it depends on what is the appetite of the company to automate. It can go all the way to 100% automation or it can be 90, 80, depends on what, how you want to kind of, you know, so we work with the client to, to kind of, you know, uh, make it as automated as they want. But uh, yeah, it has changed and it will, it will continue to change. There is pressure on time. There is pressure on cost. There is pressure on getting the right people for the, for your company. You don't want to make a mistake for key hires. So the quality and the effectiveness of hiring is now very key. And, 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 you know, it's interesting when five years back when we started Zopa and uh, I started to kind of socialize this idea with a few of the clients of my previous company. And I said, look, this is what I'm thinking. And this is what we are planning. They were like, as if I'm, I'm, I've gone cuckoo, right? Like they said, uh, oh, something, <laughs> as, something as human as hiring, how can you automate it? How can you make it with artificial intelligence? And today it's completely different. They want AI. They want, they want right. these tools, you know, and they said that that's, you know, that's the future of work. I love that. Yeah, anytime there's there's new technology, it's oh that will never work. You you can't replace yes. humans with that. Yes. And uh, and then oh, that makes it humans works. better. You're not replacing humans, but it makes us better at what we do. Exactly. Much more efficient, faster, smarter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's displacing a lot of jobs, and I think it's just making the quality of work so much more interesting for humans, uh, so that we are not doing things in the old-fashioned way or in the in the really slow and tedious. It's taken away those pain areas uh, for humans, and to focus on more intellectual things and more more things around relationship building, more around cognitive intelligence, and so on, uh, rather than trying to do the you know the, the drudgery work uh, and the very very manual. Uh, work around hiring. 
takes out the, the low level task and, and exactly. really, you know, lets the, the people really focus in on what matters. Exactly. And in the hiring process, it's the person. It's not all the, the data and everything else. Yeah. And most of the time we're not, we weren't looking at data anyway. It was gut feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it makes it yeah. much better. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, Zopa is a, a really unique name. And is there a story behind that? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, well, to start with, uh, I, I was quite keen to have a four-letter word. So uh, so we said we cannot have more than four letters. So, uh, you know, inspired by Uber and so on. So uh, we did a little competition within the company. And uh, so uh, Zopa actually was really fascinating. Firstly, it was it rang like, you know, it was easy on the tongue. But X and zero stand for numbers. PA stand for predictive analytics. And we said, okay, that makes sense. And Zopa in many countries uh, means it's all about people. So uh, in Panama and in in quite a few other countries, and we looked it up and we said, okay, that's perfect. It's all about people and it's all about data. That's really interesting. I like that. And even just starting with a four-letter, four-letter word, that's that's hard to to get these days. Yeah. It's really (laughs) interesting. That, uh, that you're able to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, it's always an icebreaker because every time I talk to a client or a new investor and say, first tell me, what does Zopa mean? You know, so like, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a good icebreaker. Yeah, it's, it's a great conversation starter. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the predictive analytics and, and people. Yeah, yeah. So putting absolutely. those two things together. So how do you think AI is going to change uh, not only the hiring process and you know, how we work uh, in the future, but just you know business overall? Okay. Um, I don't think I'm going to say anything different from what has not already been said. Uh, you know, I think AI is on steroids right now, as we all know. Sure. Um, I mean, OpenAI, BARD, all of these tools have shown the capabilities and and sometimes almost scaring capabilities of ai right yeah. like so i think i think we are on a fast track jeff um and uh as much as i don't want to create that fomo factor but i think people need to kind of um adapt and adopt uh, rather than be left behind right like so um because your competitors are doing it it's it it kind of is saving them time money um so uh I think there are so many, so many different benefits of AI. But uh, so, so for example, just to kind of before I come to the downside of it, you know, we we've got our own patents, right, for for all the all the analytics and stuff like that. But now we've further added ChatGPT uh, onto our platform. So uh, things like you know, making sure that your job descriptions don't have anything discriminatory. You know, how do you you know this is this is a very powerful tool. So that how do you it's not about just one managing one recruiter. What if you have a team of hundred recruiters? You want to make sure that none right. of none of them are making that mistake. So this is so things like that, right? Like so, so we've got ChatGPT uh, kind of monitoring that. Uh, you know, we've also used ChatGPT to create interview questions and you know, like and, and and stuff like that. So, so the point is, it is on fast track. It's moving a bit too. Too fast, even for technologists like us, uh, our comfort, because, you know, we, we don't want to be left behind. We want to make sure that we have incorporated all of this. Downside, I always feel with technology moving so quickly, governance is always lagging, you know. So by the right. time the governance catches up, there's always some damage done already or there are some you know, something not nice happened because of that. And by the time governance catches up is 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 a 
is a is a bit of a problem. So I think I think that is where governments will need to focus. And uh, you know, I think we need to have a very strong and stringent a framework for ethical ai and the good use of ai there will always be the other side and the sinister side of it but i think you know if we can have some kind of governance framework uh, and uh, for for example we we are the first hr tech company to get ai verify status which means that so there were 10 companies who took part in this initial initiative including Microsoft AWS and a few other big companies we were the only hr tech company which meant that we had to open up our hood to show all the ai that we use uh, to get that uh, verification that it's ethical responsible and explainable and i think i think it's really important that frameworks like this exist so that you are kind of making sure you are being ethical and you're being responsible and there is no black box and it explains the decision that it is giving you uh, or whatever action it's taking is 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 an explainable one i think that is really important and that's something that has come up uh, particularly on the, the social side yes. over the the past few years is that the black box and how does it work oh, we don't know yeah yeah exactly it just, you know, it promotes some things and, and suppresses other ones we don't really know yes so i think that, that's really interesting yeah, just the uh, yeah that it, it is explainable absolutely absolutely so every action on our platform for example has gives you the reason of why the data is showing what it do, what it does so that you it's it it is more as a counseling uh like a scorecard uh to help you make the right decision but ultimately the decision is is of the human recruiter right like so um so we, uh, you can only back it up with data and 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 nudge the right decisions and the right outcome but uh yeah i mean like i said it has to it has to make sure that there is a framework and there is there is a controlling body and a governing body for all of this yeah. you've done some some really great things with the company you won an award here recently oh, so tell me about yes. that yes oh the award oh yeah okay yeah. that was interesting oh yes the award <laughs> that, that was Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. No, we're so wrapped up in work, but no, this was uh, this was an amazing uh, surprise. Uh it was an award um sponsored by JP Morgan Private Bank yep. uh which was audited by Ernest and Young where they identified the top 100 uh, fast-growing businesses in Asia Pacific. It was awesome and it came out of the blue and uh yeah, it felt great. It was a great evening in Hong Kong and we loved it. And you spend a lot of time uh in Hong Kong you just mentioned you spend time in Singapore. Correct. Uh, is that where your team is? Yes, so we are headquartered in Singapore. I am a Singaporean um you know and uh, the company company started off there. Uh we are now of course in four four markets so in addition to Singapore we are in India, we are in Dubai and we are in London now. So uh yeah, Singapore is a great uh, if you haven't been there please do visit. It's absolutely fantastic. Beautiful country. You have sunshine uh 24 by 7 except for the, the tropical rains but it's a warm <laughs> rain. It's not cold rain. So yeah, and very very startup friendly, very business friendly, excellent support for um, for businesses. So yeah, I can't say enough and I can't thank the <laughs> great scuba diving too. Uh is that right? I haven't tried that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I should try that as well. Yes, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Well, what is the the future uh for Zopa? You know, what's the the next step for you? Wow, that's a deep question, Jeff. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, of course, we are very, very, we are very hungry. We want to kind of, we've, we've just tipped, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg right now. Uh, we've got solid technology, great product. We want to make sure that we take it to as many markets as we can um, and really kind of make that difference and impact to the client. Uh, so we're looking at U.S. very seriously now. And I know you and I talked about uh, working together. Uh, so U.S., Canada, we're looking at South Africa. And Africa is a fascinating country for us, especially for, for a tool like this, um, you know, because we've got both. We've got wh white collar hiring and we've got blue collar hiring as well, um, which is amazing. I have to tell you about the blue collar. Sorry, I know you've not asked me this. Sure. I have to tell you about the blue collar. Um, it's awesome because it is completely resume free. Uh, so there is no resume involved. It is an AI kind of interaction with the candidate. We call it turn up to work, which means that you can actually put it on 100% automation so that the team and the recruiters can actually focus on inducting, training, and really engaging with the employees as opposed to like wasting time and, and really through the uh, tactical work of, of hiring. So uh, we've just signed a very large deal with the fantastic company, which owns almost seven to eight, uh, uh, 80 percent of supermarkets in Singapore. Uh, so, wow. yeah. And uh, so we're so super excited about that. Once this goes online uh, and goes live, we intend to take this to the other markets, to the U.S., to the U.K. and Europe and Dubai. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially kind of the traditional way, especially as you start getting job boards, people who write good resumes or who just keyword stuff really well. Yes. Those are the resumes that end up on top. Yes. And they're not necessarily the best candidates. So I think that's really interesting. Some of the best people yes. that I've hired yes. had the worst resume. <laughs> I mean, on paper, you would never want to hire them. Exactly. But then you have a conversation, you go, wow, this person is amazing. Yes. Yeah. And, and they just can't write a resume. But I see that a lot in technology, but especially yes. you, know, you bring up the, the blue collar side. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you make a really good point, Jeff. And that is why we love AI, because that's another bias, right? The resume bias, as we call it, yeah. you know, um, and uh, AI is non-judgmental, right? Like, so it it, it, does, <laughs> it doesn't uh, kind of, it's very, very clinical when it looks at, uh, it looks at the information rather than the way it's written or, you know, uh, how many keywords you've thrown in and stuff like that. So yeah, good. It's a really good point. Yeah. Ultimately, I think the vision that we have is, um, you know, equal opportunities and equitable opportunities for everyone uh, really get rid of the resume so that you get rid of the bias um, from the word go. Um, and uh, yeah, there's still a lot of work. Like you said, what what are our plans? Uh, you know, other than scaling, of course, we want to keep innovating and really making this uh, this field as as scientific as possible so that there is, you know, people are in the right job at the right time um, for benefit of everybody. That's great. What's been the biggest lesson that you've learned in, in building the company? You can't have a bad day. <laughs> right? Interesting. <laughs> you, you just cannot have a bad day. Uh, at least as a CEO, you, you kind of, you know, you just got to get on with it. And uh, I think one of the biggest lessons is that if you have a purpose, if the company has a purpose, that really gets you out of the bed every morning. 
you know, we run companies for profit and we run companies for scale and revenues and so on. But what really gets you out of the off of the bed is the impact that you create, you know, and and the kudos that you get from your clients uh, on the good work uh, and how happy they are. And that really brightens up, uh, you know, our day. And, you know, my, my leadership team is very similar to, to me. We We just love that word of positive encouragement when a client says that, you know, yeah, we saved so much money or we hired such amazing people or, you know, what you made this impact. Uh, so I think that impact, uh, Jeff, I think that meaningful impact is what is so important to to keep you, keep you really energized. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, where can people learn more about you and about Zopa online? Yeah. So we are at www. Uh, Zopa, which is spelled as x0pa.com. And I hope you will put that in the caption so that it is nice yeah. and bold. <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure I link that in the show notes as well, for sure. Amazing, amazing. And, you know, they can drop me an email at nina, N-I-N-A, at zopa.com, and I'll be more than happy to kind of arrange for a free t- trial or, you know, uh, just a demo for them. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah, everybody should should take a look at this. And it's something, you know, big companies, I think there's, there's no reason why they shouldn't adopt this yesterday. Uh, something, <laughs> but, but even small companies, yes. um, smaller companies, this is not just a big company solution. Is that correct? No, that's correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, it's a great startup. It's a great SME solution as well. It gives you the control. It takes back the control. It helps you manage your talent pool, not just for today's jobs, but also for your future jobs. And you get so much market intelligence, right? When you speak to candidates and when you take that control back and you have so much data of your own. Uh, so 100%. So it's for anybody. Outstanding. I really enjoyed our conversation today. It was great to meet you in person. And uh, I hope we get to connect again here soon. Me too, Jeff. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And we will we will share another bagel in Austin, I believe, in the next SAS Open. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> awesome stuff. Right. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks again, Nina, for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom, insights, and how you're improving the workplace and our teams by kicking unconscious bias out of them both. And uh, the neurodiverse talent, that is a really, really cool thing. I haven't seen anybody else really focused in that space. It's just great, great stuff. You can learn more about Nina and Zappa at zappa.com. And that's X-O-P-A, Zappa, X-O-P-A dot com. To make it easy, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. And if you're getting value out of the show, subscribe or follow us there or on our new YouTube channel. I really appreciate it, and it lets the team know that you appreciate them and and the guests as well. Everyone who subscribes this week gets a custom-designed cloud storage pillow, allowing you to rest easy knowing your dreams are safe and secure in the digital realm. Join us next time on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series for Aaron Zakowski, CEO of Zamo Digital. They're a marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS companies grow revenue with LinkedIn and Facebook ads. So what platform is better for SaaS companies to leverage growth? Is it LinkedIn or is it Facebook? Where should you be advertising? We'll come back next week for a head-to-head shootout moderated by Aaron. Great, great stuff. And our founder next week is Nate Grayick, founder of Sticky, a SaaS that helps creatives book more clients. Nate's also bringing his decade of bootstrappy SaaS experience to help other SaaS founders reimagine their approach to marketing, go deeper 
and unlock predictable growth without cringy ads or weird stuff. So I will see you next time. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SaaS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Let's go!